What a great song to introduce what we're doing right now, more about Jesus. Hey, we're in the right place. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to be back in the New Testament uh, with, with one of the Gospels, Mark's Gospel. And, uh, you know, this uh, Gospel account is uh, believed by most people to be uh, actually the Gospel according to Peter, you know, where, where Peter gave Mark the information and, and he wrote it down. And so, you know, as we, as we go through it, you know, think, think Peter. Think of, of Peter's experience. Think of, as, as we go through this, uh, about Peter's involvement. Uh, you know, on the day of, of Pentecost, after uh, 50 days after the ascension, after, after Jesus was crucified, excuse me, the, uh, the, disci- the disciples gathered together in Jerusalem and uh, the, body said, the Bible says they were all in one place, in one accord. They were all together, and uh, the, the Holy Spirit came upon them as they as they prayed together, as as they sought God. This was the the Holy Spirit, who Jesus had had promised, who would who would come in power, and He did. And Peter, <coughs> Peter stands up, and and this is what he said. He said, "Men of Israel, hear these words: Jesus of Nazareth." a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourself know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed, or you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You know, this is kind of the, the gospel in, in a nutshell here. And this, this speech really kind of gives the, uh, the outline for this, uh, this book that we're going to be going through over the next uh, few months. You know, it, this, this tells more fully the, uh, the story about what happened with, with Jesus' life. You know, what, what had been hidden now can be made public to... Uh, really clarify the basis of, of the Christian faith to, to the world. So, you know, by way of introduction to, to this book, let's, uh, let's talk about who is Mark. Who was Mark? Let's give some background about him. Uh, Mark's mother's home was in Jerusalem, and that's most likely where Mark was, was born and raised. It was, uh, this home was a gathering place for the early Christians. It was a house to which uh, Peter fled when he was imprisoned and, and he escaped. Uh, a Byzantine tradition says the house was also used for the uh, Last Supper. And uh, there's, there's a, a church building there now, the, uh, the Church of John Mark in, in Jerusalem that, that marks this site. Well, anyway, sometime after Pentecost, Mark moved to uh, Antioch And when the church there uh, commissioned Paul and, and Barnabas to carry the gospel to Asia Minor, uh, Mark was invited to uh, to accompany them on on this. And you know, for some, and he did. For some reason, though, at Perga, he Mark left the mission and returned to Jerusalem. And uh, this this was a move that eroded Paul's confidence in, in Mark. We don't really know why he did this, but he. He kind of uh, flaked out on, on Paul. 
And when the uh, plans were laid for the next missionary journey, uh, Paul argued against taking Mark along with him this time. He argued uh, with, with Barnabas. And uh, the disagreement, you know the story probably, the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas was, was so sharp that they, they parted ways. So Barnabas took Mark, Paul took uh, Timothy, and they, yeah, there, were, there were two, two groups going out now doing, doing missions. Maybe, maybe that was the providence of God. Anyway, later, Mark and Paul must have uh, had a, uh, a reconciliation because Paul calls Mark his, his fellow worker. And he tells the Colossians, if, if Mark comes to you, welcome him. And he tells Timothy uh, later, get Mark and bring him with you for he's very useful for me in ministry. So that's a that's a good ending for for that conflict. They they uh, they had reconciliation. Well, Mark eventually made his way to Rome, where he became a, a companion to uh, Peter. Peter calls him my son, Mark, my son, Mark. And uh, early Christian writers, uh, Papias and Irenaeus, say that uh, Mark handed down to us in writing the things that Peter had proclaimed about Jesus. So it's early church tradition that uh, Mark was with Peter for for a long time, and that's where Mark got this information to, to write this down. We'll be spending uh, quite some time learning from this gospel account and you know, by way of backgrounds, uh, let's let's talk a little more about this this uh, book. Uh, most scholars believe that Mark was the uh, first gospel account written. Uh, very much of the content of of the Gospel of Mark finds its way into uh, Matthew and Luke. You know, so they most likely used this as a, a starting point, a starting source, and they added. Uh, a lot of good information, you know, a lot, lot on the teachings of, of Jesus. Um, the target audience seems to be the uh, the Gentiles, the the Romans, rather than Jews. There's very little uh, reference in in the Gospel of Mark to to the Old Testament. Occasionally, Mark will will explain something about a, a Jewish custom for for people who wouldn't understand. These Roman Christians who, who Mark was, was writing to were, were facing persecution. Uh, the Roman historian Tacitus wrote about how many Christians were being arrested and, and brutally executed by being thrown to the wild beasts, crucified, and, and being burnt alive. So the readership here is, is uh, highly persecuted. And we'll, we'll see from time to time as we go through this how, how Mark refers to things in a way that would uh, bring them uh, comfort. Uh, Mark's account is, is shorter than the other gospel accounts. It doesn't contain as much of te- Jesus' teaching. Uh, he only lists four of Jesus' parables in, in this gospel. He doesn't spend a lot of time talking about Jesus' controversy with the, uh, the Jewish re- religious leaders. But this is, this is more of an action account. 
one of the things that uh, I'll, I'll, we'll point out as, as we go along, but there's this one word that he uses a lot, and it's translated, uh, depending on your, your translation, as immediately. So, you know, Jesus is, is doing this, and immediately this happens. Immediately this happens. So maybe, maybe you have, your translation says straightway. I think the King James Version uses that. Um, so Mark has a particular emphasis on, uh, on who Jesus is. Uh, each gospel writer does. Each gospel writer presents the story in a different way. It's just like if you, uh, if you have four witnesses to, to some event and uh, four newspaper reporters, as, as these witnesses uh, report what happens, you know, one of them might emphasize one thing, one of them might include details that the others don't, but they all harmonize into a, uh, a true story of, of what happened. You know, it's, it's kind of neat, really, because it, it really gives a, a full dimensionality to, uh, to the gospel story. Uh, you know, Matthew, for instance, uh, writes to the Jews, uh, Jesus in, in the gospel of Matthew is the, uh, the Messiah, the king Uh, Papias of uh, Hierapolis, who lived in the first half of the second century, uh, says that this uh, tradition is preserved in Eusebius's ecclesiastical history. According to Eusebius, uh, Papias wrote as follows, uh, Mark, indeed, who became the interpreter of Peter, wrote accurately, as far as he remembered them, the things said or done by the Lord, but not, however, in order. For he, Mark, had neither heard the Lord nor had been his personal follower, but at a later stage, as I said, he followed Peter, who used to adapt the teachings to the need of the moment, not as though he were drawing up a connected account of the oracles of the Lord so that Mark committed no error in writing certain matters just as he remembered them. For he had only one object in view, namely to leave out nothing of the things which he had heard and to include no false statement among them. So, you know, you, you might notice when you, when you compare the Gospels, Mark doesn't always present things in the same order, but he presents them in a, a logical order. And uh, the way he writes, a lot of times he, he bookends events. And we'll, we'll point that out as we go along. In fact, this, this morning we'll, we'll see that where uh, gospel, uh, Mark starts out saying the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the gospel, and then in verse 15, he goes back to the gospel. And so it's kind of a, a, a unit here that we'll be covering, bookended by, by references to the, uh, the gospel. Uh, Luke, when he writes his gospel account, you know, he says that his, he's attempting to pre- present things in an orderly manner. He's more concerned about the... Uh, the historical sequence. It's just a different, uh, different emphasis. In Second Peter one sixteen, uh, Peter makes a an interesting statement. First, Second Peter one sixteen: For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of, of His Majesty. Very important to Peter that the truth gets out. 
Well, let's, uh, let's uh, now look at uh, our text, Mark chapter 1. We're going to read from uh, verse 1 to verse 15. So read with me in your Bibles. Mark 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Here's that, immediate, immediately. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And believe in the gospel. See, so yeah, I notice we notice this about the the structure here. You know, in, in the beginning, he, he says the gospel, the beginning of the gospel, the end of verse uh, fifteen. Repent and, and believe in the gospel. That's why the title of this sermon is uh, the beginning of the gospel. Well, this, this calls us to look at uh, what, what lies in this, um, this logical chunk. There's a, there's, there's a word we learned in seminary that I bet many of you have not heard. It's called, the, this unit is called a uh, pericope, <laughs> spelled like pericope. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a logical section of... Of, of, of scripture. So first of all, let's let's look at uh, this this gospel. The, the first point is that the uh, the prophets attested to the gospel. The, the prophets proclaimed this gospel. He starts right out saying this. You know, after telling us what the book is about. You know, that is the the good news of of Jesus, the the Messiah, the the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, he he ties. What is happening here to the Old Testament? He ties the Old Testament to the to the New Testament, the beginning of the gospel. He he quotes from uh, two Old Testament prophets here, Isaiah and uh, Malachi. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's especially significant that he quotes from, from Isaiah. Isaiah talks a lot about the Messiah. He prophesied about the, this Messiah who would come as, as the suffering servant. He would come and he would bring healing and deliverance and salvation. He, uh, he spoke of, of the good news. You know, Mark's audience would have been very familiar probably by this point with the word euangelion, which uh, is from the Septuagint, the, uh, the Greek translation of the, the Old Testament. Euangelion is, is the noun form of the word gospel, gospel. The verb form is uh, euangelizo, which means to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news. And in Isaiah 52, 7, the prophet Isaiah says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Euangelion. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation and and say to Zion, your God reigns. In Isaiah, the gospel includes the uh, the element of, of peace, you know, what, what is the Hebrew word for, for peace? Shalom. And uh, you know, shalom, this, this word means more than just a cessation of, of conflict. It, it, it means wholeness. This is, this is how things ought to be. Everything made right. Everything as, as God intends. You know, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. The one who, who brings this restoration. The, this, this reference in Isaiah, you know, who, the, the one who pro- proclaims the good news, he proclaims salvation, uh, deliverance from, from tyranny, you know, the tyranny of sin, also includes the, the idea of the, the reign of God, the, you know, the, the kingship, the, the kingdom of, of God. All these, all these ideas tie together here. The prophecy from Isaiah and Malachi speak of it speaks of the one who is going to prepare the way of the Lord. Who's that? That's John, John the Baptist. You know, this this is a messenger who would who would live in the wilderness. Uh, many call him the the last Old Testament prophet. He's the one who ushered in the Messiah. The last Old Testament prophecy. The one who made the way of the Lord, prepared the way of the Lord. You know, Jesus later would, would say that uh, John the Baptist is the, uh, the greatest man who, who ever lived. But what does John say? He says, essentially, I'm totally insignificant. You know, I'm, I'm here to introduce the mighty one. I'm, I'm here to, to point out the, the Christ, the, the anointed one, the, the king. I'm here, to, I'm here to baptize you with water, a baptism of, of repentance, you know, turning from our sin, turning to God. I'm here to introduce to you the one in whom there is no sin, who will save you from your sin. And Mark doesn't really give us a lot of information about John the Baptist, does he? He just kind of mentions John in, in passing, almost. 
what he presents here is the, the prophet and his message. You know, he's, he's talking about the gospel, the, the good news. And John's part is in introducing this good news. So not only the prophets, but uh, the, the Christ, Jesus, attested to the gospel. You know, there's, there's a lot packed into this phrase in, in verse 1 where it says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's, let's break that apart a little bit. Jesus. You know, Jesus is the, uh, the Savior, the, the Deliverer. Uh, his name, Jesus, you know, the, uh, the Hebrew is Yeshua, means uh, to rescue or, or to deliver. He's the rescuer, the deliverer, the Savior. He's the, he's the Messiah or the Christ, the Anointed One. The Son of God. Mark goes on the beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah. The Greek word is Christos for Christ. Jesus Christ. That's a that's a title. It's 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 got a lot of theological meaning. You know, the people the people of the Old Testament were, were looking to a coming day when when Yahweh would, would send a, a liberating king, one who'd been anointed to uh, liberate his people. And so Mark says at the beginning, the euangelion, the gospel of Jesus, the, the liberating king. Jesus is the son of God. You know, many, many places in Mark's gospel account uh, identify Jesus as the son of God. Uh, the disciples eventually saw that. Peter, Peter makes the, uh, the announcement, you know, the, the confession, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Uh, there, there was a Roman centurion, we'll see towards the end, who declares Jesus as the Christ. Uh, you know, God the Father, when, when Jesus is baptized, acknowledges Jesus as my beloved son. Also, he, he says the same thing at the, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. We'll see that later on. Interesting, even the demons in the Gospel of Mark say this, you are the Son of God. And it shows up several other places in the Gospel. Most often uh, on the demons, it seems like, who, who recognize him for who he is. Um, Mark has a high, very high uh, Christology from, from the very beginning, the very first verse, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is Jesus. You know, it's, it's all about Jesus, uh, the, the, the anointed Messiah. And according to the Apostle Paul, it's all about Jesus, the gospel, when he says what the gospel is, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. He appeared to the disciples in more than 500. You know, in, in accordance to the scriptures, that's, that's very significant. You know, this is God's plan from the beginning. 
And we've talked about how Jesus on the road to Emmaus said, you know, from, he, he, he went through the scriptures from the, the law and the prophets showing how the Old Testament attested to him. He told the Pharisees, you, you, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life, but they talk about me. You know, Genesis 3, from the very beginning, you know, Eve's seed, Eve's seed would, would uh, crush the serpent's head. The, the curse of sin on, on the very creation would, would be demolished through this Christ, this anointed one. Things would be made right. There would be shalom. God and man reconciled. Uh, creation re- redeemed. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and we... We see in uh, verse 9 where uh, Jesus is baptized by John. We see this, the beloved son loved by the, loved by the Father. We see the Holy Spirit descend. You know, he's the, uh, the anointed one, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful picture this is. Yeah, Mark gives us a, a brief, very brief account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Didn't really say much about what happened, about what Jesus says, about what what the temptations are. But John points out a few first uh, a few things. First, he's he's driven to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, you know, the Spirit of God. Second, he's he's tempted by Satan. Uh, third, he's he's with the wild animals. And uh, finally, he's he's taken care of by the angels. Why, why is that significant that he's surrounded by wild animals? Well, you know, these uh, people who are reading this for the first time are, are being thrown to the wild animals. And he's pointing out that the Spirit is there with him. The, the angels are taking care of him. You know, this is a, this is a, a picture of, of hope for these people who are, are suffering and being persecuted by the uh, the enemies of the gospel. So we have the prophets, we've got the, the Christ himself attesting to the gospel. Let's, let's look at the message of, of the gospel. We've already talked a little bit about that. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Uh, more importantly, we could say that Jesus himself is the embodiment of the gospel. You know, Mark says this is the beginning. The gospel is ongoing. This is God's unfolding plan of redemption. Uh, in fact, the last chapter of, of Mark doesn't close the book on the gospel, does not close the book on God's redemptive work through Jesus Christ. You know, John says the same thing at the end of his gospel. He said um, in the very last verse, Jesus also did many other things. If, if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that, that would be written. You know, we, we're going to learn more and more. The gospel is about Jesus. The good news is Jesus himself. Jesus proclaims that in verse 14. He says, now after... John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
Repent and believe in the gospel. It's at hand. The king is here. What God had in mind from the beginning, it's happening right here. It's taking place right now. Gospels about Jesus. Jesus begins his, his ministry here in these first few verses. Uh, what, what's his message? It's the gospel. The time has come. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Believe in the gospel. There's this, there's this sense of urgency. The time has come. Now is, now is the time to act. Now is the time to uh, repent and believe. You know, these, these two things, repentance and, and belief, they're, they're closely related. They're, they're the two sides of the same coin. You know, the first word is uh, trans, translated repent. The, the Greek word is, is metanoia. And that metanoia is a, a change of mind. It's a change of thinking. And for both John the Baptist and Jesus, the message was that repentance came along with belief. Repentance was a prerequisite for experiencing the the reign of God. Repentance comes along with belief. Belief without repentance is is empty. Belief is not uh, merely just an intellectual consent. It's like, oh yeah, I believe Jesus uh, lived two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. I believe. Well, that's not that's not saving faith. It involves a decision to to turn from our sinful ways and and to turn turn towards God. It involves a a, a transformation of the mind and and of the will. The gospel calls for us to change. Uh, Dallas Willard said, if the gospel is not transformational, it is not the gospel of the Bible. Jesus came to change us. Paul gives the following view in, in the, of the gospel in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 3 through 6. I passed on to you what was most important, what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said he was buried He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. I read this earlier. You know, the gospel, God's redemptive plan. This is what we're going to be talking about for the next few months here. Jesus Christ, who, who came to save sinful humankind. The Christ who, who came to, uh, to make a provision for our return to God. The one who came to, to bring shalom. So, in conclusion, let's, let's wrap this up. Mark says this is, the, this is the beginning of the gospel. You know, it's the, uh, the in-breaking kingdom of God on earth. The gospel is, is the good news. It's, it's news that has the power to, to change the world as, as we know it. It's all about Jesus. It is Jesus. Like I said, the, uh, the Christ, the Messiah, 
is the embodiment of, of the gospel, the, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, who's, who came to bring reconciliation between God and man. And, um, you know, the gospel is to go out. It's to be proclaimed. We don't, Jesus says later, you know, we don't hide it under a, a bushel basket. We don't cover it up. We don't hide it. We need, we need, and, and the Lord needs the gospel to shine brightly in this, this world of, of sin and darkness. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the gospel continues. Um, Jesus is living and active on the earth and in those who have repented and believed in him. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we uh, we rejoice in, in you. We rejoice in your, redempt- your redemption. 